On today's show, the NBA draft is basically one week away. We have some news, some notes, some rumors, and much more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1495 of Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And today's show is brought to you by the good folks at the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the promo code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with Game Time. And also, at the top of the podcast, I should tell you to make us your first listen each and every day here at Locked On Hawks. Please tell a friend about the podcast as well and check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Spotify. Apple, YouTube, etc. And I do appreciate you joining me on what's basically a bonus episode of the podcast. I've had lots and lots of content in the last few days. In fact, this will be the sixth episode of the week already, and it's Wednesday night. So lots of stuff to get to. A little bit shorter episode, just me today with some news, some of some, uh, I would say rumors, almost rumors anyway. And then also a mailbag question at the end of the podcast with having to do with the luxury tax. But the NBA draft is about a week away. And things are ramping up. We've already started to get some rumors beyond the Hawks, of course, more NBA-centric now that the finals are over. The dam has not quite broken just yet, but it's getting there. It was a trade during the finals, all that fun stuff. So we're getting closer. I have more guests lined up. I have one more player capsule to drop in the next couple of days with Glenn and I talking about DeJounte Murray. And by the way, if you missed any of those, they are very much available and very much uh, still relevant in your podcast feeds. But Willis has been giving me a lot of time in recent days talking about basically everyone on the Hawks roster from Jalen Johnson, A.J. Griffin at the bottom when it comes to young guys, to Sadiq Bey, to Bogdanovich, to Capella, to John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, etc. All over the place. We still had uh, DeJounte and Trey to go, but uh, lots of content there and also pre-draft content. In fact, I had a two-part episode drop on Tuesday evening into Wednesday with Zach Milner, who is a fantastic NBA draft analyst. We had Richard Stamen on the podcast last week, Ben Flack the week before that. Lots and lots of draft content and more to come on that as well. But with that preamble out of the way on this bonus episode, some news happened today. It kind of inspired this uh, extra episode of the podcast, and that was because the Hawks finally announced the coaching staff formally and officially on Wednesday. Quinn Snyder was quoted talking about how he wanted diversity of experience and expertise, and each person bringing something different and unique to the table, and that's definitely a good idea, I think, in my mind. All of the, I think it's not, uh, it's pretty obvious to me that everyone has kind of a tie to Quinn on some level, at least most of the staff does. They announced nine assistant coaches. That's a lot. Um, I got a question about this. It's not terribly unusual, but I will just say this. Um, the Hawks did not differentiate between who was going to be on the bench and behind the bench, but a lot of these assistants will be behind the bench assistants. So there's no cap on this. They can have as many as they want to, but only three or four will be actually be on the bench every single game. Uh, the, lead, the lead guy is going to be Igor Kokoskov. That's been reported widely. He's a former head coach in the league, et cetera, but a pretty interesting staff here. That was been reported already. Also, Antonio Lang was reported already. Mike Bray, the former Notre Dame coach, was reported already. Also, Brittany Donaldson. They, that's always been, uh, those have all been discussed in the last couple of days and weeks. The new additions that were at least not full-on confirmed, and maybe I haven't talked about a lot on the podcast, Brian Bailey coming over from Utah. He was there for the last four years. Steve Cly also on the staff. Is with Quinn for about six or seven years in Utah, starting player development and video going up from there. Uh, Sam J. Lumpkin, also with the Jazz player development, he actually played in the G League, including with College Park. So some local ties there. 
Ekba Yudo is a personal favorite of mine. He was the number six pick in the draft in 2010. Uh, just actually retired from playing. Basically, this is going to be his first, coaching job, his first coaching job anywhere. He played for Quinn in Utah. That's an important distinction there. Also, he is extremely well regarded around the league. I know I've talked to him a few times. Uh, definitely a very interesting guy. Also, I have to note this. He began his college career at Michigan before transferring to Baylor. So, obviously, a place in my heart there. But a first-time coach, but certainly a very familiar name to those of you who've been following the NBA for quite a while. And finally, Jeff Watkinson. Once actually on the Hawks staff a few years ago in strength and conditioning, and then he's back with the Hawks after seven years in Utah. Also announced a couple of player development hires and video coordinator hires. More wins of the AJC report. There's only two people staying on from the previous staff, and they're both uh, sort of the lower level staffers, you know, video kind of thing. So it's almost a total overhaul. And that's not a huge surprise. You know, obviously we talked about Joe Prunty taking an assistant job elsewhere. Uh, this is what happens when, when, when changeover happens. It doesn't mean anything negative about the previous staff. It's just that Quinn wanted to bring his own guys in. And uh, in this case, Brittany Donaldson as well. And uh, no surprises there at all, really. I mean, obviously we don't know who was going to be, but all everyone on the staff basically having ties to Quinn, or at least most of them, uh, not a huge surprise there. Some some bigger names, Inka Koskoff and uh, Antonio Lang and Mike Bray, but um, some lifers as well. And uh Quinn seems to be pretty upbeat. Uh, Lauren actually reported a story talking to, talking to Quinn specifically about that today. I recommend reading that as well, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, a little bit of rumor stuff as well. I will stress that we're not quite to rumor territory on this particular topic, but I got asked a few times about some stuff that Kelly Eco of The Athletics said, uh, either said or written, uh, said or wrote, I should say, about Clint Capella in the last couple of days. Kelly uh, covers the Rockets and does so very well out in Houston. And obviously, Houston has a lot of history with Clint Capella. All indications are that Houston wants to improve now and improve quickly and do so with a lot of different cap space and flexibility things. Obviously, Capella, I think, would be available on some level. I'm, I've talked about that a lot, in fact, in, in deep back fashion with Glenn. But clearly, Capella is available, nothing else. They don't have to trade him, but certainly he would be gettable. Uh, in a mailbag earlier in June, Kelly was spitballing on a fake trade of K.J. Martin and the number 20 overall pick for Capella, which honestly is not a bad deal for the Hawks. I think I, I, something that I actually would kind of like, if they were to go ahead and decide to move on from Clint, that'd be a good way to go ahead and do that. Number one, Martin is cheap, also very talented and still pretty young. It would save the Hawks a lot of money if they want to do that, and also another first-round pick to add to the pipeline for the future. And then Kelly also talked to Mike Scotto of Hoopsype, and he mentioned uh, Capella as a target again for Houston, potentially, in that conversation with Mike. At the end of the interview also, Scotto asked Kelly to get his crystal ball out and say Houston was actually going to come out with um, at the end of the summer. He said James Harden, Dylan Brooks, and a big man. And then at the end, he said it was a tough call, but that he predicted either Clint Capella or Miles Turner to Houston. Again, this is just not this is not like formal reporting. I'll be, I want to stress that very much right now. Kelly Eco has not reported full-on interest in Capella. But obviously it's something that's like, you know, pretty natural in that Houston wants to get better. They have basically unlimited cap space right now. I think Kelly is very sourced in Houston. We're not quite there with anything being reported, but it's worth noting that. Also, my friend Tower Jones been on this podcast many times before. I think he can I think he talked about this on the podcast as well, and also on Twitter too. But it's a popular idea in a lot of circles to kind of bring the band back together for Houston, bring James Harden back. And obviously Harden and Capella played at a high level in Houston. They're both much older now, but still, if Houston's trying to get better in a hurry, Capella would be able to do that. He's a, he's obviously a fantastic kind of floor raiser defensively. I know Houston has Sangoon, but if they want to get better defensively, they probably need a, a different room protector in there on some level. And it seems like Kelly's been talking about them getting a center along the way somewhere they can play some defense. So it makes total sense. But uh, there you go on that particular front. All right, before we get to the uh, the one and only mailbag question on today's podcast and also a little bit of news when it comes to the draft and some rumor stuff reported by ESPN, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast. 
Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you've ever been trying to buy tickets to a big event at the last minute, it can be really stressful, probably not the best idea for your emotions or your wallet. And after all, ticket buying should not be a hassle. In fact, it's not with Game Time. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater. You can avoid stress and get hyped for the fun you're actually going to have because at Game Time, they have both killer deals and the best price guarantee. Summer is here. There are plenty of events to get to around me in Atlanta. I'm sure there are around you, wherever you may be. And with Game Time, it is awesome and easy to find deals. Plus, you can also see the images of where your seat's going to be, and they have protection if your event happens to be canceled. Forget all the months of planning in advance. There are tickets up to the day of the event and deals on them at Game Time. And the Game Time guarantee also means you get the best possible price. If you find tickets in the same section in the same row for less, you'll be credited 110% of the difference by Game Time. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets just a matter of seconds, plus, with tickets are actually delivered directly to you via your phone to make things very easy download the game time app create an account use the promo code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account at game time redeem that promo code locked on nba for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right one more uh, little news slash rumor nugget from espn it comes from jonathan gavoni of espn who's the draft guy over there he wrote on wednesday that the hawks quote have not had an easy time getting players into the building end quote for pre-draft workouts Something I'm talking about already on the podcast a few different times. I want to start this by saying that I don't think this is a big deal. I really don't. But it is notable and interesting, especially because ESPN wrote about it today. I got asked about this a bunch of times. Uh, for one, Gavoni wrote that, quote, approximately 20 prospects strongly feel they'll be selected in the lottery, end quote. That's funny because the lottery is 14 picks. And that's 20 players. But it's also what you kind of hear this time of year is that agents and players and uh, guys think that they're going to go higher than they actually end up going. Um, I think drafting at 15 overall can be a little bit perilous when it comes to workouts in particular, because anyone who believes strongly, as Jonathan notes there, that they're going to be going in the lottery doesn't want to go down to 15 to actually work out for a team that is going to be drafting below them. Also, if I'm going to this, the Hawks have a crowded roster in the way that he described it. And I would go a step further than this is that the vast majority of teams, uh, especially in this range, do not have their entire top 10 player rotation locked up like the Hawks do right now. Their top 10 guys are under contract. That's pretty interesting and not always the usual, especially guys that are usually a little bit younger on the Hawks roster as well. Last thing from the ESPN piece today is that Gavoni included that prospects seem to be actually could be difficult to play minutes in Atlanta in the short term. Honestly, I tend to agree with that. Um, not that it's impossible, but I would say, look, the Hawks might make some changes to the roster. That's not a huge secret in the next few weeks, but it's also a team that's still trying to win now by all accounts. And as I always say, most rookies are not very good. AJ Griffin, I think, was like outlier good for a rookie in the middle of the first round. And he still was their ninth, tenth guy. And when some ties didn't play sometimes, when they were at full health, whoever they drafted in this spot, I would say the you, you should not expect them to be even as good as AJ was this year. I think you have to expect them to be a little bit worse than that. Maybe they'll be better for sure. But uh, it would not surprise me and it shouldn't surprise anyone if the 15th overall pick is out of the rotation at times this year. That's kind of what happens in this range with teams that are trying to win. So long story short, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about this, but it is a little bit of an issue. Uh, it's, I think it's a little bit overstated. I think also I, you know, at last count when the Hawks have been announcing workouts, I am at least in my top like 60, the Hawks have had 12 of those guys in. They're mostly second round picks. They've had some first round candidates in there. Max Lewis, Chris Murray, Omax Prosper, et cetera. They've had some guys there, but no one outside of Chris Murray in my top 15, 16, 17 guys. So that's worth noting. And uh, we'll leave it there for now. Last thing, though, in that, in that same mock draft, actually, ESPN's Jeremy Wu, formerly Sports Illustrated, actually a former guest of this podcast, said that the Hawks are among a group of teams that also includes Dallas, Orlando, and OKC that are believed to have interest in Duke center Derek Lively in the draft. Uh, first, if I had to guess, I think Lively's probably going to be gone. Probably. Not definitely, but probably going to be gone by the time the Hawks pick at 15. 
but he would make sense. I have actually mocked Derek Lively to Atlanta in a couple of different places when I had to do some uh, some mock draft stuff. Um, obviously, with Capella on the roster and a Kongwu, that would be a little bit tricky. But Lively is a seven footer, one and done guy. Real defensive impact was awesome down the stretch of the season defensively, and I think the potential for a little bit more than that on offense. If they move on from Clint, it becomes even more interesting for Lively. If they don't want to go ahead and move on from Clint or a Kongwu. There's less playing time, obviously. There probably wouldn't be any playing time for Derek Lively, but considering he's a one-and-done guy with a lot, of, a lot of it's like projection, you can do that if you feel like he's the actual best player when it comes to the uh, available talent in the draft. But I think that it makes more sense, very obviously, if they were to move on from Clint and you kind of go into the next season with a Kongwu, Bruno Fernando, crucially on a cheap contract, and they actually play lots of minutes now, and also Derek Lively as your kind of future uh, guy. And honestly, I do believe that Lively and a Kongwu maybe could play together in the long term, which would be part of the appeal there. Anyway, I don't want to go crazy about that, but it was worth noting because it was kind of a pseudo rumor that was in that piece from ESPN today. All right, before I get out of here, one real bad question. Honestly, I took this one, but it was kind of uh, similar to others that I've gotten in the last couple of days and weeks. Comes from May, who asks, for a mailback episode, can you talk about what kind of moves the Hawks would have to make to stay under the luxury tax? So um, it'll take some digging to get through this, so my apologies on the nerdery, but um, I might repeat myself a little bit from previous shows. But look, this might be a thing. I'll say this. We don't, I don't have the confidence level right now that I had a year ago that the Hawks were not going to pay the tax. I was very, very, uh, let's just say, convinced and stern about the fact that I believed strongly the Hawks were not going to pay the tax last year. And of course, they did not at the end of the day. In fact, they actively cut salary. They actively made the team worse in some respects to get under the tax line. That happened. Now, this time around, I don't have that same intel just yet. Now, it won't surprise me if they get under the tax, but it's a little bit different that I have not heard it quite as loudly as I did a year ago. And now with the, uh, you know, the new CBA and Quint Snyder, all that stuff. So we'll see. But the projected tax line right now is 162. Yes, $162 million. Um, that's the number that I'm going to use to answer the question. It is possible the Hawks stay over, particularly if they were to stay under that first apron in the new CBA. I'm going to avoid the total CBA notary now, but the first apron is about 169. Um, just so that's very clear. There's less, there's a, it's sort of a less punitive tax number. Um, for the purposes of the, of the question, I'm going to talk about 162, but keep that in mind. There's at least a, a little bit more wiggle room if they were to stay under the first apron anyway. Um, it's possible they have a mandate. We'll see. At the moment, the Hawks have 10 guys under contract. As I said before in the earlier question, those 10 guys are on the bright side, I would say, their best 10 guys. And their top 10 guys in the rotation, um, they're firm top 10, like very obviously they're top 10 players. Now, however, that's already over the tax line with 10 guys. Um, with four empty roster spots, and you can't have four empty roster spots, so even with minimums, they'd be well over the tax, obviously. Then you throw in the fact that the 15th, 15th pick in the draft, if they were to keep it and make it, has a cap hold of about $4 million. So that's not included in that first number. So it's really 11 guaranteed contracts for about 167. And that assumes if the Hawks make the picks, of course, that's also including nothing for Bruno or Garrison Matthews or V. Krejci or Tyrese Martin. You have to cut all of them to have that be the number. Um, so the easiest way for the Hawks to get under the tech, which is actually the question that, that, I was, that I'm answering. And again, if I'm a fan, just to say this, very firmly, I would not be rooting for this. I think it's not good for the organization to be ducking the tax like this, but that might be happening. So there you go. The easiest way would be to kind of shed a lot of money would be to trade a player making significant money for nothing coming back or less money coming back. So there's a lot of teams with cap space, maybe not a lot, a handful of teams with cap space that could take on players like Capella or Collins or Hunter or even Bogey in September without sending any money back if they wanted to. 
under the new CBA, also, there is a salary floor that is more strictly enforced. So teams like, let's let's say Houston, going back to the earlier, earlier conversation, they have to spend this money. Not not all of it, but they have to get to a certain level and they like, literally have to. So that'll be interesting to see what they kind of handle that. So uh, a prime example, going back to the Capella thing from earlier to kind of t- tie this together. If you traded Clint to Houston for either nothing coming back or very little coming back, let's just say nothing for this for this example, the Hawks would be down to 147 with 10 guys under contract if you include the first round pick. That's $15, $16 million under the tax line with four or five spots to go. That's doable. That means you're signing some minimums, maybe one more like room exception guy or whatever, but not room exception, but uh, maybe non-taxpayer level exception, whatever it's going to be biannual. There's a little bit of wiggle room there. So if you, again, if you just dump Clint for nothing or the example that Kelly Uko threw out earlier, you trade Clint for KJ Morton, who's very, very cheap. And that's a very, honestly, that could be all they do. If they just did that, from a tax from a tax standpoint, that would get them under, even what they sort of fill out the rest of the roster, and that would be a pretty comfortable way to do it. Another one would be a similar move with John Collins to a team like, I don't know, OKC or Charlotte or Indiana or Detroit. All of them have like conceivable cap space to just take John um, or take John, similarly to Clint, like take John and send a very, very small salary back, something like that. So Collins would fit in a lot of those places, especially places like Indiana and Oklahoma City, play next to a, a more of a stretchy big, et cetera. We'll save those for later on, but that's another pathway as well. Hunter, same thing. If a team just wanted to have you, have you on a hunter and the Hawks were willing to do that, I'm not saying they're going to. I think it's a little bit a little bit cleaner to go ahead and do that with one of the bigs because they have more reinforcements coming behind them with a Kongwu and Jalen Johnson than it would be for Hunter. But there you go. That's the cleanest pathway to get under the tax for the Hawks. They're our other moves they can make, obviously, but the Hawks have five guys making between 18 million and 25 million this season. That's kind of the easiest way to trim generally, because from there you have Trey at the top, which I don't think they're going to trade Trey unless he wants it, unless he wants out. And then you have a Kongwu making about $8 million. And then you have everybody below that is making a lot less. So in my mind to get under the tax line, they essentially have to trade one of those five guys making between 18, and $25 million. Just for reference, that's DeJounte, it's Bogey, it's Hunter, Collins, and Capella. At least one. They could trade more than one, but there you go. We'll see again if the Hawks have the mandate to cut money. If they do, it's kind of in line with moving one of the bigs. I think I've said this offseason, if I had to guess or estimate um, in an educated fashion, I don't think they're going to bring back both Collins and Capella. I think one of them at least will be traded. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I do believe that's probably the most likely scenario. One reason why is because of this conundrum with the tax. Like There's a lot of money being spent and when you throw in the Kongwu domino and want him, him to play more often, et cetera, there you go. Also, extensions for Bay or Kongwu would not impact the tax for this year at all. Those deals will not impact that. It starts the following year. So long story short, one more one more thing to note, by the way. Bogey could be another one if they were to try to dump some salary, but he can't be traded until September under the new agreement that they made the extension there. Um, they could probably agree to a deal in July or August and just like kind of hold on, hold tight. The league probably wouldn't like love that, but they probably could do it. Um, and then you couldn't complete it until September, but keep that in mind as well. Um, he makes a little bit less than Capella or Collins too. So a little bit less space. Um, and I do think, you know, Houston is not the only team for Capella. There's plenty of teams that can use like Capella, but that's one that's like very obvious and it kind of solves multiple problems. So circle that one. If you want to, if you want to listen to Kelly Eco, who's uh, definitely sourced and plugged in, in Houston. All right. That's it for today. 
a shorter podcast, but uh, again, I've been cranking out lots and lots of content in this space. Again, this is episode six of the week. We'll have more to come over the weekend. We'll have more to come early next week. I can pretty much guarantee you three, four episodes, maybe more than that between now and the actual draft itself on Thursday. And then the usual breakdown late, late, late that evening. And then more to come after that between the draft and free agency and summer league where I plan to be in Las Vegas, all that fun stuff. So plugs at the end of the podcast, please, please, please subscribe to the show. You've done a great job with that already. I do appreciate it, but go ahead and do that across podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. If you are a subscriber already, I do appreciate that. Go ahead and do it again somewhere else, whether it be Spotify or again, add YouTube or whatever it's going to be. Um, auto download the podcast, leave five-star ratings and reviews. I am not above asking you to game the system a little bit. Same thing with YouTube and likes and subscriptions. And also please tell your friends about the show. It's a great time to jump on board. The Hawks are very interesting in a lot of ways. In fact, the consensus is right now around the league is that the Hawks are kind of a wild card. No one can really have a good read on the Hawks right now because they have so many guys that are contract, uh, but lots of fireworks could be happening in the near future. I'm going to be here to break it all down for you. So please go ahead and, and share the podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my Patreon work, patreon.com slash BT Roland. I do appreciate everyone for listening to the podcast throughout the summer already. There's much more to come. I do uh, welcome you to jump on the, on the bandwagon. If you're a new listener, we do, we do appreciate you checking out the show today though, no matter what. And I'll see everybody next time.